Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Exodus about the call and compassion of Moses to go to Israel and how it wasn't about who is Moses, but about who is God. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Hello, I'd like to welcome you again as we continue in the study of this wonderful book of Exodus. Let's first start with asking God to help us. Lord, we come to you today because we so much need you. We need you, Lord, to reveal your truth to us as we study your word. We need you, Lord, to change our lives as we, Lord, take in your word. You said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So let, Lord, today be a day when the word of God proceeds from your mouth into us, Lord, giving us life as we come closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Now, if you follow along here, it's Exodus chapter 3, and we'll read some verses here to give again the context. And that um, will start in verse 11, Exodus 3, verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy, off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Now, in our last study, we saw what a unique privilege that Moses had. It was Moses, when we looked at him, and we compared him to all the people that were alive at that time, And we said, you know, I don't know if it was only Moses. Many people really wondered what God looked like. But it was only to Moses that the word says that God appeared to him. Just Moses. Many people would have wanted to be a friend of God, but it was only this one, only Moses, that God brought into his confidence. As this were, God put out his hand and he drew him in close to himself, Moses, and he talked to him. And Moses became the confident with God. In other words, he became the one that God just opened up his heart wide open and he started to tell him many things. And many people would have wanted to know what's on God's mind. What is God? concerned about? What's disturbing God? What is really bothering God? But it was only to Moses as he drew him in close that he revealed to Moses, Moses, this is what is filling my eyes. What I see is the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. That's in my eyes, Moses. Moses, this is what's filling my ears. This is what I'm hearing constantly. It's a constant theme that I'm hearing here. What is it? It's the cries, Moses, the cries of my people in Egypt. Why? Because of the Egyptian taskmasters have caused my people 
people to be so much in the vice grips there. There's so much under pressure that they're crying out to me, and this is filling my ears. And what's filling my heart as Moses is close to God and God is really bearing his whole heart. He says, Moses, what's filling my heart is a certain knowledge. And what I know is the sorrows of my people in Egypt. Many people, you we could say there would be many people who wanted at that time to know what God was going to do next. But it was only to Moses as God pulls Moses in close to him. And he says, Moses, I have come down. I am come down. And the purpose for me coming down is to deliver. I have come to deliver my people out of Egypt. And I'm going to bring them into a good land, a large land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And he was telling all of this to Moses. Moses is silent. He's just listening. There's no record here. Moses doesn't say anything. He's just listening. And as we look at Moses there, he's in a very privileged position. He's the only one that God has brought in close and is telling all these things. He's brought in to like God's inner space. This is God's inner space, and he's brought in there. Now, when we look at Moses there and how God singled him out for this special revelation, we see as we look at Moses that Moses is a type of Israel. Moses, he's like what Paul called himself, a pattern for Israel. In other words, Israel has followed in Moses' steps. And so as God singled out Moses for this special revelation, well, let's put it this way. Paul asked the question and he answered it in Romans 3, 1 and 2, as we saw. When Paul asked this question, he says, all right, is there any advantage? What advantage then hath the Jew? That's the question. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? What profit? And so Paul says, much every way, many, many ways, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. So we look at Moses, and in the same way as Moses was singled out for revelation, because all this that he saw was, this was revealed to Moses. Moses didn't sit down and figure out all these things that we're reading about here. We're reading that God appeared to Moses, God spoke to Moses, God revealed to Moses. It was all God communicating to Moses. Moses is called in verse 4, Moses, Moses, and he says, here am I. And then from there on out, Moses is just like wide-eyed, open-eared, listening, learning, and the whole thing is coming from God. And so we could say that what advantage then had Moses? And we could say much every way, many, many ways, but chiefly that because to Moses was committed the revelation of God. God revealed himself. God appeared to Moses in this bush. And so in the same way that Moses was singled out to receive this revelation, Israel was singled out to receive God's revelation which is called in the scriptures the oracles of God, the word of God, the Bible, the oracles of God. And so then there's two very important therefores that we were looking at in verses 9 and 10 because they show us an important link there between God's concern for the lost, sheep of the house of Israel in this case, and God's commissioning, and in this case Moses, to go. See how it reads, Exodus 3, 9 and 10. Now, therefore, that's the first there. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, the second one, 
Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. See, in verse 9, God says to Moses, what's happened to God? And he says that two things in particular have happened to me, Moses. First, it's this cry. It's this cry that I keep hearing, the cry of the Jewish people that has come unto me. And the second thing, he says, it's what I keep seeing. Twice he says this passage here about the cry and what he's seen. And when God says things twice, it means it's really important. So he says here, I've seen the oppression of the Jewish people. And because he hears this continuously, because this is filling his sight, that becomes the basis for sending Moses. In other words, God was telling Moses that if he wanted to be God's man, and God was calling him to be God's man, God was calling Moses to be a man of God, and if he wanted to be a man of God, and if he wanted to be God's man, and to be sent effectively to the Jewish people, then why he's telling all this is that Moses had to feel the pain of the Jewish people. He had to. He says, Moses, this is not going to be a remote control affair for you. This is not going to be you stay isolated and separated from them. This is going to be I'm calling you to get deep involved into their pain to the point where you feel their pain like I feel their pain. You hear their cries like I hear their cries. You see their oppression, their despair like I see their despair and you feel it the despair of it all, the pain of it all, the cries of it all. You do that, and we can see God trying to encourage Moses to let his heart fall into the compassion and the pity for the Jewish people. In other words, this was Moses' choice, and God knew that, so he was trying to encourage him. And you can see how God told Moses about the cry of the children of Israel. God starts off in verse 9 with the word, Behold. Behold, and with that word, anytime we see the word behold in Scripture, it means stop and take a special note of this, or take a special consideration. Take a real close look here. Don't just breeze over this, but really stop now. And that's what the word behold means. It's like a stop sign to stop and consider. And so God says, behold, and right after God says behold, he tells Moses, he says, Moses, stop Consider, behold, I'm going to tell you something that you never would have known unless I tell you that, and it's this. The cry of the children of Israel is, come unto me. That's what he says. The cry is, come unto me. So God told Moses that the cry has entered into his space. It has come to him. And as a matter of fact, when you look at the verse, it says there, the cry of the children of Israel is present tense come unto me. So God did not say the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me or did come unto me as though it was some past information that he's working off of, something that he's familiar with. What he's saying here is that it's a continual cry. The cry is always coming to me. I'm always hearing it. Each new cry I'm hearing. He's saying that he hears and he continues to hear. And as God was speaking this way to Moses, that he was hearing the cries of the children of Israel, God was saying, look, I'm always hearing the cries of my people in Egypt. And it's important how God explained that to Moses, because he says, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me. In other words, God was telling Moses that he was allowing the cries to come to him. He was allowing the cries to come. 
You know, there are other places in Scripture where God says, I won't hear their cries in Proverbs when it talks about those that had no time for God. And he says, when their desolation comes, he says, I won't hear. And other times he says, that he'll make the heavens like brass. So, but here he's not that way at all. He's saying that it's constantly coming to him. And we think back of King Ahasuerus during the time of Esther. And we remember that what it was, was that the King Ahasuerus, he had to hold out the golden scepter. If anybody appeared in his court and he didn't hold out the golden scepter as if to say, I accept you and that you could come in, that person was killed. But if he held out the golden scepter, which he did to Queen Esther, then it was meant that he allows, he permits the entrance there. And so that's a picture of God as a king with the golden scepter. Nothing comes to God unless he holds out the golden scepter as a symbol of his permission, of his allowance. So God has held out the golden scepter to the cries of Israel, to the prayers of the Jewish people. And therefore, he's saying to Moses, they have come unto me. The cries have come to me. So God was saying to Moses, Moses, I have allowed the cries of the lost Jewish people to come to me. Moses, will you allow the cries of the lost Jewish people to come to you? Moses, I've held out my golden scepter to the cries of the Jewish people. Now, Moses, the question is, will you hold out the golden scepter in your heart and let the cries of the lost Jewish people reach you? That's the first step. That's step one for Moses to become God-sent man. That's step one for Moses to become a man of God, for Moses to become God's man on the scene. That's the first step. Moses had to be like God in letting the cries of lost Jewish people come to him. And if we want to be God-sent man, if we want to be God's man, God's man of God, to the lost Jewish people, or to any lost people for that matter, we have to be like God and let their cries come to us. If we say, okay, well, I say I've got an obligation here. I'm supposed to bring the gospel to the lost people. And if we just say, but I'm not about to let my heart become upset and disturbed and possessed with this terrible tragedy. I'm going to keep my heart distant from that person or that situation. Evangelism, okay. Explain the gospel, okay. But get heart involved where I get all upset from hearing their cries, no. If we take that position or if anyone takes that position, then we're not like God. It's not like God because God let the cries of the lost reach him, come to him as it says. If we take that position, then it's not only we're not like God, but the lost can see right through it. They can see directly through it. We become absolutely transparent, and they see, oh, it's mechanical. Oh, it's nothing more than duty. It's nothing more than something he has to do. It's nothing more than religion. It's nothing more than tradition. And if you take on this sterile evangelical formula, that we're following like a robot of one, two, three, repeat after me with no heart involvement. And so God says to Moses and to us, step one, if you want to help the lost, is be like me and let their cries come to you. And think, how do you let the cries of the lost come? How do we do that? Well, first of all, we think of how desperate it is to be separated from the creator and the judge. That separation is spoken about in Isaiah 59. It's that separation. When we think of the separation, 
then we hear the cry for help to not be separated from God. We think of how shocking it is to know that you've been appointed once to die, and after that, the judgment. There's just one chance. And then we hear the cry for help. We think of how frightening it is to look at the grave and the fear that comes of having been laid in the grave and the fear of waking up when the greatest hope was annihilation and disintegration, but the fear of waking up only to be falling into the hands of an angry God. And we hear the cry for help. We think of how terrifying it is to be dragged into hell by Satan, scratching the way to not be dragged and digging in the heels, but to be helplessly dragged. And we think of how terrifying that is to be dragged into hell by Satan. And we hear a cry for help. And we think of how horrifying it is to be tormented with pain and anguish with no stop in eternity for hell. We think about that, that we hear the cry for help. This is what God is saying to Moses. He's saying, look, Moses, if I have let the cry of the lost children of Israel to come to me, you need to let the cry of the lost come to you. Same like God's saying to us. If God has let the cry of the lost come to him, we need to let the cry of the lost come to us. Because the lost know when we care for their soul. And David said something very, very important in Psalm 142 about knowing if a person really cared for his soul. And he says this in uh, Psalm 142.4, where David says, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. See what David was saying there? David was saying he looked, he looked, and he said no person would know him. Boy, doesn't that remind us? Back in the 60s and 70s when there was just an outcry in the city of New York because crimes were being committed where there was a high density of people living in the area and there were screams and cries and people would open the window and then they quickly shut it and it was always the same thing. They didn't want to get involved. That was the big phrase. No, I don't want to get involved because if you get involved, then it becomes a trouble for you. So you just shut the window and let the crimes go on. And they'd rather just see a crime and walk away and pretend as though they didn't see it because they don't want to get involved. And so David says, that's when he was saying in Psalm 142.4, when he says, I looked and there was no man that would know me. Nobody took any time to know him. And he said, no man cared for my soul. So God says, look, step number one, Moses, step number one for us, know the lost, know them, and know them in their desperation, and know them in their loneliness, and know them in their terror, and know them in their horror, and know them in their fright, and know them in their fears. Know them, know them, God says. And then he says, care for their soul, care for what happens to them, care for their eternity. And so God is calling for us to know the lost. God is calling for us to care for the souls of the lost. And that's what it means to be sent by God. And that's why God went through all of this description to Moses as a preparation for Moses to say, Moses, this is care 101, or this is delivering the lost 101. First, hear their cries and see the state that they're in. Know them and care for their souls. And no one, no one, can be God's man. No one can be God's sent man. No one can be the man of God to deliver the lost unless he has God's broken heart 
for the lost. Because that's really what God is talking about. He is broken as a broken heart for the lost. After God has told Moses this, to really to lead Moses into what he had to do, but also showing he has his motivation to see the children of Israel get delivered from the Egyptians, then in verse 7, and then God has told Moses that he has come down to deliver them, and then God tells Moses that he's going to use Moses to deliver them. And so in Exodus 3.10, this is where we go, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So here again, we see how God reveals to man this truth so that he will use it to deliver the lost. God has saved believers. If any person has come to the Lord Jesus Christ and cried out to him and asked for God's mercy covenant of receiving the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for his sins, be saved, become a child of God, live forever, then God has filled the believer with the knowledge of himself, and God then makes the believer responsible to bring the gospel to others who are lost. And that call that Moses had from God to deliver the lost Jewish people is true of the people of Israel as well. Let me explain what I mean. When God gave his oracles to the Jewish people, He then made them responsible to carry them to the rest of the world. You know, this is brought out in Deuteronomy 32.8 when Moses described how God made decisions about boundaries of countries, of the Gentiles, of the goyim, of the nations, the boundaries. And it says here in Deuteronomy 32.8, Moses explains, when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, that means their land, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. This means that when God made the decision as to this boundary should be here and it should go to this river, it should go to these mountains, and he made these decisions as to where the boundaries of the nations should be, he did it with an eye on the number of the children of Israel. Why? Why did he do that? Because he looked to see how many Jewish people there were, and he thought how they could reach the people of the world, the goyim, the nations of the world, how they could reach the nations of the world with the word of God. And as he looked at the number of the Jewish people who would be going to taking the word of God to the nations, and he looked at the nations, he says, okay, we'll have this border here, this border here, because then the Jewish people can go there and they can bring the word of God to this corner and to that corner. So when he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, this is the same God who we're talking about here. And so the basis for him setting the boundaries of the nation is the number of the children of Israel. Why? Because when God made promise to Abraham in Genesis 12:3. When he said that he would bless them that bless them and curse them and curse them, he also said, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So God intended that the Jewish people should bless all the families of the earth by bringing the oracles of God, by bringing what God said, by bringing the word of God, the Bible, to all the families of the earth. And in order to accomplish this, he had a special eye, and he sets boundaries of the nations with a view on the number of the Jewish people so that they could reach them. So in this way, Moses is a type also of the Jewish people who were not only entrusted, the Jewish people, with the oracles of God, but they were made responsible to carry them to the peoples of the world. 
In verse 11, we have Moses' response. And his response to God's call, God's sending, is verse 11, it says, And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Is that what you're saying, God? Moses saw that God was sending him to go to Pharaoh and to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he looked at these two jobs very carefully and he says, go to Pharaoh? He says, go to Pharaoh. Thank you for joining us today. Now, Moses had a calling and compassion of God to go to the lost Jewish people. He was a deliverer of the Jewish people, and he was even the meekest man on the earth. And that shows us that it's not about our abilities, but it's about our obedience in helping to give out the gospel in our lost and dying world to those that are enslaved in the world system of bondage and sin. Now, how can you help deliver a lost Jewish person like Moses did from the bondage of sin? By giving them a free Jewish evangelism gift from Israel Restoration Ministries. It's Tom Cantor's testimony in a book and on DVD. Millions of copies of Tom Cantor's testimony on DVD and book have gone out around the world in the U.S. and Israel and South America. We can provide you a copy for free as long as you'll give it to a lost Jewish person that you know. The only way that they'll know their Messiah is if you tell them. And we want to provide you a free evangelistic resource, a Jewish resource, that will help you to reach them. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. That number again, 1-800-247-3051. Now we also have a full-time opportunity for any of you listening in the Southern California area to become a full-time missionary working with Israel Restoration Ministries. You'll be a courier of the gospel to the Jewish people. And if you're interested in going door-to-door to reach lost Jewish people, building relationships with them, discipling them, and helping them to come to Christ, call us today, 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org to learn more. Thanks for listening.